wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that they could see and touch. Creation is an act of sheer will. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Reel Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And uh, to quote Dr. Ian Malcolm, bigger. Why do they always have to go bigger? Well, (laughs) first of all, that's what she said. And second of all, why the hell not? This week we are talking about Jurassic World Dominion. And the only way that Jeremy and I could possibly talk about Jurassic World Dominion is by bringing our friends of the pod, Jacob Evangelista, back to the podcast. Welcome, Jacob. Hey, everyone. Thank you again for having me. I love being on the Weekly Reel. <laughs> we love having you. Right, Jeremy? Well, we always love having you, man, because uh, you've been on the show a bunch of times now. I feel like we see you all the time now, <laughs> even though we're pretty far. Uh, well, a few weeks ago, or at least a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about Top Gun Maverick with um, with our nephew, AJ. And we brought him in because it's like, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a pilot. He seemed pretty qualified. And I was like, oh, who are we going to have for Jurassic World Dominion? And, I, you know, it's like, who else other than, no, not, you're not a paleontologist. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, is this, is this true that... You wanted to be a dinosaur <laughs> when when you were growing up. It's like not not a paleontologist. Yeah, not a paleontologist. An actual you, dinosaur. Yeah, an, not yeah, an actual dinosaur. I was like, is this true? Well, I have to be a hundred percent honest here and tell you that it is. It was true, not is, because I don't currently. <laughs> it's currently true. I don't currently still want to be a dinosaur. But um, one thing that does uh, stick out to me in my memory from way back when I wanted to be a dinosaur was I would, like, put my hand down on the carpet and make, like, a little handprint. And then I would go, look, it's a Jacobosaurus track. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's where that rumor had come about. But, uh, no, I think I was really obsessed with dinosaurs that much to where I really wanted to be a dinosaur growing up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. See, because we had we had a pilot, and now we have a, a real life dinosaur, <laughs> a real yeah, life dinosaur <laughs> on the pod. Oh man! But yeah, you, obviously, uh, your I think I think it's safe to say that your Jeremy and I like Jeremy and I probably agree that you're our biggest Jurassic super fan. And I, I remember when we were you know talking, uh, I guess this past Wednesday uh, during our pre recording meeting that you had like a. a like you're totally immersed in the whole Jurassic uh, franchise. You actually want to share with the podcast audience uh, something that you've recently experienced. 
Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I I am very immersed in the whole, you know, Jurassic Park uh, fan culture. So um, one thing that I did do that I will absolutely never forget, one of the best experiences of my life, um, I actually went and watched Jurassic Park, the original, um, at the SF Symphony, and they played the soundtrack live. With live, it's an entire live band, you know, you had the trombones, the trumpets, you had the violins. It was, it was just amazing to see because I love the soundtrack so much. Like, John Williams is brilliant. I've listened to the soundtrack all the time, you know, like in my headphones and stuff. Mm-hmm. But just being able to just sit there and really hear the full power of like a full uh, symphony it was just amazing to hear then on top of that they're showing the movie right in front of you right there and then um i think that one thing that stood out to me the most there was the end credits and um before we started recording ken was mentioning how great the end credits scene was because um because of that soundtrack and it's actually called just end credits but i think it's the main it's like the main uh soundtrack for the movie but it was just amazing just to just sit there and awe and just listen to all the noise and it sounds the same but it sounds better at the same time just because it's live maybe it's just the experience but man it was it was it was amazing and i'm so jealous i've i don't know i feel like as much as we love hans zimmer I feel like John Williams is the GOAT composer when it comes to movie soundtracks. Mm. And for you to be able to experience uh, like a live symphony uh, live, especially for one of his iconic tracks Mm -hmm. uh, with Jurassic Park. Oh my goodness. I'm so, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was, it was definitely something I'm never going to forget. And if I get the chance to do it again, I'm going to take it. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. We, like I kind of wanted to do that for uh, recently. They had the uh, one for Back to the Future, um, mm. and again, John Williams, or no, it's, that's that's not John Williams. I'm sorry, but I mean, it still has an iconic uh, soundtrack. Yeah. But yeah, dude, ah, so jealous. Anyway, uh, guys, let's jump right into our podcast ritual. J- uh, Jacob, you're a veteran of these. Uh, just to remind the audience, it is where we like to share one notable movie or TV show that we've watched in the last week. Uh, Jacob, that really doesn't apply to you. But uh, before we get to you, uh, let's let Jeremy lead off uh, with this segment. Uh, so I'm, I'm cheating a little bit this week. I'm actually not going to movie or TV show. I'm bringing back good old YouTube. Mm. <laughs> uh, I've actually I've been watching this channel called Jolly and Korean Englishmen recently. And it's two British guys just doing some random stuff all the time, either trying like some random food, random like instant noodles, <laughs> just a lot of weird stuff. But it, it's fun. Like I, I feel like, you know, school was getting a little bit heavy and uh, just need a little bit of fun. So it's something quick, easy. Didn't want to stress out too much. So I recommend those two channels to if you want to kind of just want something fun and quick to relax yeah i mean uh especially i mean uh jeremy just finished finals i would imagine that uh, it, w- it would have been tough to kind of squeeze in even a 30 minute show let alone like uh a show that's like 42 to an hour <laughs> yeah st- i haven't started yeah. game uh, not game of thrones i have started game <laughs> i haven't <laughs> I started like, um stranger things oh neither have i i haven't either actually <sighs> 
because Ken's been telling me we got we got to watch it, man, and uh, still haven't hopped on it because I know the episodes are like an hour long mm-hmm. <laughs> or longer, <laughs> or, or longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, Stranger Things, definitely recommend season four, but um, yeah, well, stay tuned for that. Uh, Jacob, what what's one uh, movie or TV show or maybe even YouTube channel that you would like to share? Um, well, I think I'm going to have to go with Kenobi. Yeah. I'm actually caught not caught up yet. Okay, that's, that's, okay. That, that's fine. I haven't watched the latest episode. But I'm I'm behind two. You're behind two. Are you? How many are you behind, Jeremy? Just one. Just one. I haven't watched uh, episode five. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm still two behind. Uh, I haven't seen four and five yet. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It was just obviously I had to watch it. You know, seeing Ewan Ewan McGregor come back and reprise his role, and then also Hayden Christensen, even though you (laughs) only see the Darth Vader mask. Um. But it's a a lot of good uh, scenes and stuff that I I guess I wanted to see, but also it was just like, it's not something where it's like, whoa, it's crazy, but it's stuff that you're like, you can appreciate, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing that I've been watching lately. Well, Jeremy mentioned this uh, when we talked about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi on the newsreel. I remember he was talking about the very beginning, right before episode one started, and it started with the prequel montage. Yeah. I mean, we, you, uh, I guess our audience heard what we thought. What did you think about that opening montage? Yeah, so um, I actually enjoyed it, and I liked it. And I think that... Um while it summarized what you needed to know going into the Kenobi series, or what you needed to be reminded of, I should say, um, it also kind of brought back some of those emotions and stuff about how much, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan were, like, actually close, and, you know, everything that transpired and what led to Anakin having so much hate for Obi-Wan. So I think that they did a really good job of representing that in the prequels, but then also bringing that back in a little montage to remind everybody what um what that relationship was actually like yeah dude you were my brother anakin (laughs) i hate you i hate you dude that definitely made it hella epic man like made the prequels look like freaking oscar worthy Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely i I I love how they cut it yeah that's true no senate meetings (laughs) (laughs) oh man exactly but uh oh i i I can't wait to to get caught up on obi-wan kenobi as well Mm. i think all of us need to get caught up yeah especially with the uh the finale already the series finale coming up uh this coming wednesday it's so crazy crazy it's been uh what is it the sixth episode right Mm -hmm. man these uh these seasons are too short. Seriously. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the the show that I want to share uh, for the podcast ritual is uh, actually a show that we featured, I think, on an episode of the Newsreel last season. Uh, the show is called Our Flag Means Death. Uh, it's currently streaming on HBO Max. The whole season's actually on there right now. It's uh, just 10 episodes, and they're really short episodes. Uh, it stars Reese Darby, Taika Waititi, and a couple of Game of Thrones alums, uh, Hisdar Zolorak, the, the guy who was in love with uh, da- Daenerys, and then Hodor. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so um, I'm only one episode in, 
and uh, it's an interesting show. It's pretty entertaining, uh, but minor spoilers for the first episode. Actually, Taika Waititi was not actually in that first episode, so uh, I can't wait until he makes his first appearance. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to watching the rest of the season just because I know that second the second season's already been greenlit, so... Um, I, at least I know that ahead of time where I'm not expecting it to kind of end or whatever. So, yeah. That's good. I, like, I remember we, we talked about that show pretty briefly. And mm-hmm. we watched a trailer and it, uh, the cast looked interesting. And mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to be seeing... We, we're seeing a lot of Taika Waititi right now. Uh-huh. With, um, Lightyear, he's doing one of the voices. We're going to see him in Thor, Love and Thunder. And then um, that show as well. Yeah, that this was no accident with me re- actually starting the show because <laughs> I I wanted to kind of get into that whole Taika Waititi uh like uh frame of mind I guess going mm-hmm. into Thor: Love and Thunder in a few weeks. So, uh, but before we get into the rest of the episode, why we're here talking about Jurassic World Dominion, let's go ahead and do a little bit of episode cleanup. So last week, episode 69, uh, shout out to J- uh, to Joe Ash. Episode 69 featured uh, an episode on Rush Hour 2 and Rush Hour 3. And we did run a poll, didn't we, uh, didn't we, Jeremy? Yeah, the poll was a pretty easy and clear one. Uh What's your favorite movie in the Rush Hour franchise? And with 64%, you guys voted Rush Hour 2. What? what? I was, that's, I'm pretty surprised, actually. Because my favorite, personally, is the first one. Yeah, same. And I would have thought a lot more people would have watched that. And um, I don't know. I, I thought the first one was better than the second one, but really? again, like what I mentioned last week, I ended up watching the second one more than the first one. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just confusing myself. I gotta Did say, I like a- the second one the best. Hmm. But the third one is probably like my go-to. I need a comforting movie just because I've seen it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there is that one scene that we talked about, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not blind. You blind. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. That's what you said. <laughs> oh, classic oh, lines. Shoot. Oh, shoot. But yeah, that, uh, well, if you guys want to vote in our episode-related polls, uh, we run them every Tuesday following a brand new episode. So we will be running this tomorrow. It'll be a Tuesday for Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to let our audience know where to vote? It's going to be on Twitter and Instagram every Tuesday at Weekly Real on those social medias. Yes, exactly. So uh, this week, four years after the ecological event, dis- uh, you know, destroyed Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live amongst the humans in a story that blends a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new in the finale of the Jurassic franchise with Jurassic World Dominion. And so uh, guys, like, Every week that we do, uh, we like to issue our spoiler warning. Uh, we will be going in depth with this movie. So if you haven't watched it, go out and see it in theaters. It's only showing in theaters. It's doing pretty well in the box office currently. Uh, then come back, join in the conversation, and uh, enjoy this episode that we have upcoming for you. So, guys, let's jump right into the double feature, uh, version 1.0, where I have a question 
um, and then none of y'all got uh, none of you guys know what I'm going to be asking. And Jeremy also has a question that we have not prepared for as well. And so Jurassic World Dominion does its best, just like I said, to kind of blend that past generation with the current generation. And so my question to you guys is, which plot thread did you find more compelling? Owen and Claire's journey to rescue Macy or Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, and Dr. Malcolm's investigation into Biosyn. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you take this one first? Okay. I have problems with both. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Are you reading off my notes? (laughs) Really? Uh, But, okay. I'm actually going to go, God. Because the worst thing about uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was um, the the dinosaur child. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, they kind of retcon some stuff. Jacob, yeah. that's me. That's you. Uh, like, you're, you're the lost child of uh, Chris Pratt. Uh, um, but I'm actually going to say I enjoyed the storyline with um, Claire, um, Owen, and, and, and Owen. Macy yeah. more than, which is weird to say because. They're not the like it's the original cast came back and but for me what really killed the Biosyn um storyline was it just it was so much about locusts and there's like no dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that was one of the main problems. I'm like, oh yeah, this is not just a, a sci fi type of movie. It's it's Jurassic Park. Where's the dinosaurs? So I would probably go with um the parents and the kids storyline. I felt like it was better done than Fallen Kingdom. Okay. I don't really remember too much. I just like I just remember how like I didn't like it in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. And uh I'm glad they actually retconned some of the the kids stuff. <laughs> and uh, okay. I have to mention it now because <laughs> Ken, we've been we've been saying week to week about these kids showing up in movies, <laughs> like oh they've been doing pretty good, you know, we likable. All right, we're bringing back the unlikable kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I not mean? a fan like, of Macy, huh? Yeah, like she was probably better than the last movie, but it's like man, listen, listen to your your step parents or whatever. Step you're you're just, a, you're just a dinosaur kid or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. And obviously she's wrong and I don't know. She just causing trouble. So. Uh, well, well, you got to remember, though, uh, just in her defense, in her defense, <laughs> she's been living in seclusion and she's got cabin fever. And I'm kind of remembering how things were in the spring of 2020 uh, after extended periods of being locked down. So uh, I don't know. Uh, just kind of playing devil's advocate there. Yeah. But I would, <laughs> surprisingly, that, that storyline, I think interested me more okay i can see that jacob do you want to take this one yeah um i'm gonna have to agree with jeremy and for the reasons of i think that the storyline with claire owen and macy was a little more interesting a little more compelling in terms of like just about the story you know if i block out everything else but on the other side with the original cast you have like that um like that nostalgia, just seeing all of them together again, kind of working mm-hmm. together. 
And so you kind of have like these two different storylines where you have the original cast and then you have the new guys. And like Jeremy said, there was a lot of problems with both, but I have I'm going to have to go with the Claire, Owen and Macy storyline as being better just because I didn't really feel that much substance in the other one and it was kind of like they were relying mostly on the nostalgia aspect and all mm-hmm. like the callbacks and stuff and those scenes to get that storyline going. So also mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I got to make it 3 for 3. Um <laughs> I I I weirdly I thought I I you know seeing the trailer and seeing the reunion of uh basically Dr. Grant, Sadler and and um, Ian Malcolm back into the thing. I was like, dude, this is going to bring back so much nostalgia. Um, I'm just going to be like, I don't know, just kind of having flashbacks to the original film. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, callbacks and everything. We'll definitely get to those later. But I felt like the investigation part was so dull. Mm. And so by default, I have to go with the other plot thread because, I mean, it's not like anything special happened in that other... Uh, plot thread, yeah. There, there was that one pretty cool uh, chase scene with uh, with Owen Grady on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. you know, being chased by raptors. It kind of gave me a little bit of a born ultimatum <laughs> vibe uh, because the <laughs> yeah. way it was kind of shot or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I felt like later on they leaned more into the callbacks, but I felt like during the investigate investigation part where you know they were at Biosyn, they you know they had the Heisenberg uh, like hazmat suits and stuff. <laughs> I felt like they could have like used a lot more ch- cheap fan service. I don't, I don't, I'm, and I never want to advocate cheap fan service, but I felt mm-hmm. like it could have been more entertaining. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that whole investigation part was really dull, and uh, it disappointed me really. Yeah, I have to agree with that too. Yeah, it kind—it so. seemed like uh, they just found everything. Like they didn't really have to dive deep into anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it would have been nice to, because I mean, I, I was telling these guys that I just recently watched Jurassic Park three. I finished it this morning to be <laughs> actually, <laughs> um, and uh, I forgot uh the like specifics from that movie and knowing that now i'm like i would have been i would have liked them to kind of like drop little like information nuggets of what they have been up to and like stuff that they've been struggling with uh since jurassic park 3 you know uh because we got a little bit of that when you know dr grant was talking about how lonely he he's been because he doesn't have a family or anything like that and uh, Dr. Sattler was talking about how it was more freeing now that, you know, she was divorced from Mark, uh, her, her baby daddy. And uh, I don't know. It would have been cool just to be able to have more of a dialogue between the two of them because there's an obvious um, screen chemistry, like mm-hmm. on-screen chemistry that they have, uh, especially, you know, us being fans of the first one. It would have been nice for them to kind of redevelop and recapture that um, while they were doing their investigation of the locusts. It would have made it much more interesting. So I think that leads perfectly into my question that I want to an- ask you guys, because it sounds like we're pretty unanimous on the original cast storyline is a bit disappointing, mm, honestly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um Overall, I want to ask, how did you guys feel about the original cast returning? Do you feel like 
that they were used properly, or I'm actually going to take this from the rush hour um, episode that we kind of did. Do you feel like they were used properly or would have you rather not them be in the movie at all? Like kind of mm. to save that memory of them. Or do you think, yeah, the, let's keep them in the movie. Um, even if their storyline wasn't the best. Uh, Ken, do you want to take it first? Let Jacob stir on it a little bit. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so, uh, Definitely disappointing. I think I already kind of mentioned a little bit of that, but I don't know. I it, it was it was cool seeing them together, but I felt like uh, if I think I would have done it differently. Uh, I think because this is the last one, you got to bring them back. Um, and something that I'm anticipating for the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yes, I I know we we mentioned that fra- uh, that franchise too much, but. I feel like in a, a finale that uh, a movie franchise has been with us now since what 1993. I feel like if the pacing was better and they would have uh, somehow brought all of them together much quicker mm. and made the movie maybe 30 minutes less. Cause I think uh, rewatching some of these past movies, they're around two hours. I think if they could, could have kept it and a little bit made it a little bit more snappy, mm. th- they could have actually, salvage lot where you know you, you can dispense with a lot of the the what do you call it the exposition and then you can just go ahead and go right into like the highlights you know just drop the one-liners just go all out make it entertaining and because this is the grand finale and it, and it, it ended up just being flat i agree dude there was times when i'm like why are we spending so much time on this wannabe uh, I don't know, weird CEO. Tim like, Cook wannabe? Tim Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, yeah. <laughs> I was like, easily could have made the movie at least two hours, 15 minutes. Yeah, I agree. It was, it seemed a little slow. And in just like many aspects, it wasn't just the story. It was kind of like the way everything was kind of developing also. But um, yeah. I agree. All right, Jake. So with all that being said, um, do you feel like they, they used the original cast properly? Or do you think they could have, they, or they should have cut them out of the movie and kind of finish it off with the new cast? Well, like Ken said, I think that, you know, as it being a, a final movie to a franchise that has spanned like so many years and developed like a pretty committed fan base... I think that it was good that they brought back the characters, the original characters, but just, I mean, like Ken said, they there's so many different ways that they could have done it better. Like, even shortening it, like, having that pace, like Ken said. But um, it was just, it felt forced, in a way, because it, it kind of felt like they were just trying to throw them in the movie and, you know, just add them for the nostalgia and then there was still that separate storyline. Like, it was still kind of Jurassic World storyline over here. And then you got the Jurassic Park cast on this side. And like Ken said, they did come together. But it would have been nice if it was a little quicker just to uh, make it seem like it wasn't going as slow as it was. Because it seemed like it was dragging at points. So I think that, you know, shortening it would have been better. And just kind of getting to the point a little faster than sooner. Or faster than slower. 
See, I would uh, I would agree with both of you guys. I really felt like the two storylines were... It made the movie feel very disjointed. Like, oh, we're going to be jumping from the Jurassic World cast to the Jurassic Park cast. And it just felt separated too much. Like I said, it bit disjointed the story. And when they finally did come together... It, I don't know, it didn't mesh as well as I thought it would. Maybe because... Um, it was like an accident too, where how they they kind of just randomly crashed their car, and then oh, there's Chris Pratt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, like, oh, what are the chances? <laughs> yes, it's, it's like it's not even like they were on like two separate missions, which is okay, but it it didn't feel like they were tied enough together that it's it organically they came to the same goal. It didn't feel that way. Like you said, Jake, it, it felt forced that we have these two groups and we just have to accept that they they meet and all that stuff. And I actually, one thing I was really disappointed was um, Sam Neill. I feel like he was really wasted in the movie. Alan Grant. And he was yeah. always like, in the first one and the third one, loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, because that character is just like... Uh, so iconic with the Jurassic Park franchise and it's just I feel like he was really wasted in this movie like he didn't know what to do he was just going along for the ride it's like why is he here and he's not really doing anything exactly like he's usually the guy that's you know he's in charge he knows like all the steps that you need to take and I, I feel like they kind of did that on purpose to kind of show how everything has evolved since the time that he was working there or working with dinosaurs, I should say. Like, you know, they started creating new dinosaurs at this point. And, like, for him, he must be like, I was just supposed to be studying dinosaurs that, you know, had existed at one point. But now here you guys are creating, like, super dinosaurs that, like, so he kind of doesn't really know what to do. Which makes sense, but also at the same time, he should have had that, like, natural instinct, quote-unquote, of, like, these are some steps that we need to take to make sure that we're going at least in the right direction and not just... Oh guys, what do we do? Like, I'm gonna follow you guys. Follow like what you guys think is best. So, I see what you're saying, and I see what it seemed they were trying to do in the movie, but it could have it could have gone better. They could have done it better. Yeah, he should have slid into Ellie's DMs, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like really. Oh my goodness. I, I did like how uh just kind of re I, I completely forgot this happened. I mean speaking of the sliding into DMs, I forgot how uh Dr. Malcolm was hella hitting on Dr. Sattler in the first one, <laughs> like totally ignoring yeah. the fact that they were that uh Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler were together. Yeah, that's true. Cool. He had no regard for that relationship at all. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> yeah, he did it. So I felt like that was a kind of an un, like a under the radar uh, callback. Yeah, oh, man. So yeah, good. yeah. They're, those three are always iconic, and when you when you see their dynamic on screen, I think that's the, that was easily the best thing about their storyline is just them three talking with each other again. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they always had that like nice, like humorous, natural banter between the three of them, and it always seems so natural. Like especially in you know like the originals where you did get to see them. Well, I guess in the first one is the only time you really saw all three of them together, huh? Yeah. So, but yeah, they they have that like on-screen chemistry that you were talking about with uh, Sam Neill and what's her name again? Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. 
Laura Dern, there it is. Yeah, yeah between yeah. them two. I feel like all of them three together developed that. And it was, that was probably one of the points that carried their storyline, I'd say. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it disappointing because I thought I was going to love that part of it because I figured, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little bit older. They're going to lean more heavily on the writing and their ne- yeah. uh, on screen chemistry. And it, it ultimately just was just bleh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, guys, we want to involve you guys, uh, the audience, into this discussion. And so this week's audience question is uh, kind of a straightforward one because this is the sixth movie now in the Jurassic franchise. And so we want to ask you guys, how would you rank all of the movies in the Jurassic franchise? And so this is the part of the episode where we kind of chime in on that. But. Like what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks, we'll go ahead and just tease this. And we're actually going to rank our uh, movies within the Jurassic franchise a little bit later on. And so, uh, Jeremy, do you want to uh, let the audience know how they can chime in with this audience question? Yeah. So give us your ranking of the Jurassic Park movies or Jurassic movies uh, at Weekly Real on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, or I guess you, if you want to comment on TikTok or whatever, it's going to be at Weekly Real Pod. And then if you want us to give a full on explanation, go send it to our email, theweeklyrealpod at gmail.com. Right? Dude, I had to do a double take. I was like, did you get it right? I was like, no, he actually did it. Damn. I thought he did. He got it right this time. Yeah, I was like, duh, duh. Right, right, right for episode 70. Oh, my goodness. T-E- but uh, T-H-E-E, <laughs> weekly real. You know, we have the to do weekly real. The, the weekly, weekly real. real. There's like mm. four E's. Oh, like you're back in like uh, medieval times, right? Yeah. The and thine. It's, me- it's memorable. Thy- thine weekly real. <laughs> thine weekly <laughs> real. Dang. you know missed opportunity i you know what unfortunately that is not correct but may, maybe we should maybe we should uh create that email uh so that we can start using it as an alternative but to you know quickly correct jeremy it is weekly real pod at gmail.com and so fellas let's take a quick break Okay, guys, welcome back from the break. We're going to be jumping into the weekly real awards. And we're going to get kicked off with the Does Anyone Want to Get Out Award for Best Action Sequence. Jacob, I'm going to let you get first dibs on this, so go ahead. Perfect. Well, you know, this being a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movie, I'm sorry, uh, there's going to be a lot of pretty good action sequences and hopefully a lot that include dinosaurs but i think the one that uh stood out to me the most was the uh, motorcycle chase with uh mr owen grady um for me i say that it was something that i really didn't know that i wanted to see but then seeing it was like i was like wow because it was like you see dinosaurs and you see them in uh like our time quote unquote where they're literally chasing you know motorcycles and then he drives through that courtyard area. Then there's the two huge dinosaurs, and they're just, you know, terrorizing people. There's chaos everywhere. And then the ending kind of reminded me a little bit of Fast and Furious. But uh, like you guys said, that movie series is mentioned a little too much. <laughs> but uh, 
you know he like he jumps on the 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 plane and the motorcycle falls out hits the hits the was it a raptor and yeah, falls out the, the back um i think that was one of the the coolest action sequences in the movie for me but i thought yeah i thought overall it was just really cool to see that see i agree it's like ken said it reminded me of born ultimatum mm. just on like a motorcycle chase but with raptors and that storyline i'm gonna mention it right now i feel like should have been should have played a bigger part because it's all about dinosaurs mm-hmm. trading them um they're kind of like manipulated and all that stuff and, yeah and you can't really control them i feel like and they introduced that that lady crime boss kind of almost like an arms dealer but for mm-hmm. for dinosaurs that, yeah <laughs> i feel like that could have been a better storyline at least more interesting, yeah it's kind of reminiscent of the first movie where like oh mm-hmm. let's weaponize dinosaurs yeah but it's better than what we got <laughs> with locust <laughs> so i would have rather kind of do a retread but then have dinosaurs like all over the world and um being manipulated mm-hmm. and i feel like that could have been a better storyline for for alan grant and all that stuff too to kind of tie in ultimately together but yeah but either way that that action sequence in overall it's kind of weird i it's one of the better scenes mm-hmm. but it doesn't do too much to further the story yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i feel like there was a lot of just you know they had to throw in some action that you know, didn't have much to do with what was going on, but they just wanted to make it a little more entertaining. So I said, here you go. Here's some action. (laughs) It's wasted potential. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree with Jeremy in that uh, they could have spent a little bit more time because I mean, Santos was the character with uh, um, that was kind of like the crime boss or whatever. I felt like she was underutilized because she did have a certain look about her where she looked important, but then she was just there for like, what, 10 minutes or so. Mm hmm. Dressing out of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, for me, um, I guess my winner for the Does Anyone Want to Get Out Award for Best Action Sequence. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm not sure if it qualifies for Best Action Sequence. Uh, but my heart was uh, pumping during that one scene where uh, Claire, I mean, we were talking about the airplane. Mm. Claire ejects out of the plane. And, you know, she's got the yeah. whole parachute thing that she's got to kind of dodge pterodactyls on the way down. It was so crazy. And then she gets stuck up on the tree. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that, uh, okay, I'm going to probably butcher the, the pronunciation of this <laughs> dinosaur, but the Giganotosaurus. I think that's how you say it. Dude, it that is. whole scene was hella nerve-wracking. It was. A lot Dude. of suspense. And I just want to say, I when she was hanging from the, the parachute in the trees, that did remind me of a little callback to uh, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> yeah. Where, <laughs> where uh, that one guy, I forgot his name, but he was dead at, when they found him. And he yeah. was just hanging from the tree there. But... Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I wanted to say. I like that little callback there. You know, it's funny. I didn't know it was a callback when I originally watched it because I just rewatched Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, earlier this morning. So I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It is a callback. 
for me, it was a call forward. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, dude, that whole scene. It, and I love how it kind of like wrapped because like really they just use the like the ambient sounds mm-hmm. really for the most part. And you see Claire eventually after she gets out of the tree, she's like literally slowly crawling and then yeah. slowly right mm-hmm. into the swamp. And then she has to immerse herself. Dude, I was totally immersed in that uh, in that scene. So good. Yeah, I thought that that scene was great because, like, like you said, the the surroundings, like the ambiance of the environment. You had like the mm. bushes and stuff, and then there was a lot of like mist and fog. And I thought the the way they played it, or the way they they framed the shots, really helped build suspense. And you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. the way that you know how she got away, barely staying out of sight from the gig- giga. Gigawatasaurus? Gigabitosaurus? Gigabitosaurus? Terabitosaurus? The terabytes. <laughs> yeah, oh, but shoot. no, I, I agree with you. That, that was that was a great scene, and it was kind of reminiscent of when, I think it was in the first movie, when the raptor was hunting down, uh, what, what was that guy's name? The hunter the, guy that there was Muldoon? like their raptor expert. Yeah, Muldoon. their raptor expert. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> by raptors. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that scene. It was definitely very suspenseful and thrilling. See, if we could have got more scenes like that, because mm-hmm. that that felt more like OG Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> exactly. Know. It like epitomized what they were going for in all those movies. Because dinosaurs are terrifying while this movie is saying, it's like, oh, we can get along with dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And for all of these movies, like, because the question that they pit at the beginning of this movie, oh, can humans and dinosaurs coexist? And the message of all these movies is no. Until yeah. this movie, where they're like, yes. It's like, <laughs> why? How? Holding hands, interlocking. Holding <laughs> with, with a T Rex, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the next trilogy comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> well, I think it's all going to work out perfectly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wish there were more scenes like that. Um, in, I was going to say my favorite action sequence is kind of a stupid one, honestly, though. It's when they're all gathered together, the two Jurassic groups. And they fight, or they're fighting that um, the new T Rex, whatever it's called. I don't, I don't the Giganotosaurus. The, I got it. What, yeah, okay. The Giganotosaurus. Giganotosaurus. And they're fighting it, and <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty suspenseful. It's like, it, but at the same time, it's like the the intelligence of these dinosaurs kind of vary. Sometimes they're mm-hmm. smart, sometimes they're dumb. But um, the highlight, at least, because in that action sequence for me is. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it's like, I thought he was going to pull, pull out a, a freaking flare, you know, but it was close enough. He'd pull out a flaming spear. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I swear, if Ian Malcolm dies, this is easily the worst Jurassic yeah. movie. I thought, he's my favorite character easily. Well, and Dr. Grant, <laughs> those two. Yeah. In, one in, a, in this one movie, in this yeah. movie, he was easily the best character. Mm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, and when he threw that spear, I'm like, yeah, freaking, <laughs> like that. I needed that, you know, because yeah. in the in the first movie, he was, <laughs> you know, he's waving around the flare, and then he just like while he's running away from the T Rex, he just like throws <laughs> it away, but it's still chasing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he still gets wrecked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I'm saying. And uh, I love that he had that epic moment with the, mm. the Giganotosaurus. So. Yeah, I got to get that one down by the end of the podcast. Yeah. Giganotosaurus. I actually had to see it, and then I'm like, I think that's how you say it. And then I have to do the whole dictionary thing where you, uh, you got to split it up. It's in my notes. I'll show it to you guys later. Because <laughs> uh, we're talking about, like, favorite, like, we, I think we pretty much agree that Ian Malcolm was one of our favorite characters of the movie. But the Jensen Award, which we're going to be doing next where you talk about underrated characters. So I, I don't know if we would count Ian Malcolm as an underrated character, uh, but you can choose either underrated character or underrated scene. So, Jake, uh, which one are you are you going to go with? So I'm actually going to go with an underrated scene for this one. Hmm. Yeah. So um, in the, the very first scene, when they're, like, opening up, and you know how they're, like, showing all the dinosaurs around the world and kind of, like how they're living their lives all over mm-hmm. earth and not just, you know, on Isla Nublar. Um, for me, that was something that I was expecting to see like in 2010 or 11, like back when they were teasing Jurassic Park four after Jurassic Park three had come out. Mm. And uh, like at the end of Jurassic Park three, you see all like the pterodactyls flying away and stuff. And so I was always expecting to see that, and I kind of thought I would see it in Jurassic World because that was kind of like the fourth movie. But um, it was just, for me, it was something that I've been expecting for so long that when I finally got it and was able to see, like, oh, this is how dinosaurs are, like, if they were living on Earth, then that was, um, that was like, what I've been waiting to see for a while. So I think that that was my underrated scene for the movie. See, that should have been more of the movie, too, is seeing mm-hmm. dinosaurs in the world. Exactly. Rather than us exploring generic scientist labs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, I think that would have been a lot more interesting and, and very compelling towards, like, building a story around that instead of, you know, Biosyn, Locusts, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right. For me... Um, I mean, Jeremy knows this. I, he already can just pencil me in for underrated scene for, for the Incident yeah. Award. And so yeah. uh, I'm going to give a little bit of love, not necessarily to Macy because she's there, but for Dr. Wu uh, in that w- reintroduction of his character. Uh, B.D. Wong. Like, yeah, B.D. Wong. Dude, I, I, and you know what? If I had to give it to a character, I'd just give it to him. But uh, I love the kind of <laughs> I, I laughed probably harder than I should have uh, in the reintroducing of his character when um, the scene starts off with I'm really sorry that it had to happen this way because obviously she gets kidnapped <laughs> and Macy goes yep that's what kidnappers say <laughs> and I'm like you know what all kidnappers do say that and I thought that was pretty funny uh, but I don't know at the beginning of the scene just because Dr. Wu looks like completely different than all of his previous appearances. He's got the long hair and everything, and he looks more haggard. Um, and obviously, he works at Biosyn. It's like, oh, you're kind of a little skeptical of what his uh, motivations were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the scene goes along, I love the kind of like the soft uh, scene, you know, like the the dialogue. It, it, like I felt like there was like a instant rapport there when, he, you know, he was revealing the actual truth uh about where macy's origin stories really lie with technically really 
she's Charlotte's daughter, but it's a like a clone, and you know now he kind of wanna he wants to write some of his questionable decisions from before, and so really, this is like a shout out to B.D. Wong too. So it's a scene and a character, I guess. Now that I'm thinking about it, so want to make sure that he gets mentioned. Yeah, and I love how Doctor Wu has been there since. Uh, the first Jurassic first Park. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's B.D. Wong. Just like a cameo because we were seeing the little dinosaur hatch or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I he looks so young <laughs> compared to from before. Yeah, so he crazy. does. He aged a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's, it, I'm a bit disappointed with his storyline as well because he was like a major villain and it just seemed like uh, he had like no repercussions <laughs> by the end of the movie. He's like there because he saved it. He, f- he figured it out. <laughs> yeah. He figured out how to save the, the world from the locust problem. Even though he was like the one that when created it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that works out. That's what all kidnappers say. <laughs> uh, Ken, oh, I know you, I knew you were going to go with underrated scene so, somewhat in this Uh in this episode. So I actually went with underrated character. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, if it was like, if the award was also most improved character, I would give it to this character. I would go with Claire. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah. She was good in this. Because in the other movies, sometimes she was a little bit annoying. So always like in, in distress, she was kind of just there mm-hmm. and Owen always had to save her. But like, in this movie, I actually felt like he had more to do than mm-hmm. Owen did. Yeah. Like, and I think that was pretty evident in in when it's like Owen was like, "Oh, eject and go have this really good scene in the forest." While Owen, it was a pretty good scene on that ice, but I'm like, not as good as um, the Giganotosaurus Ge- and the and the water. Mm-hmm. So, I just felt like her character was more more interesting and. Like she was the one that improved the most since Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah, agree. Because I- uh, in the first two, I mean, like you said, she was kind of just like along for the ride and kind of just you know going with the flow. If something happened, she'd kind of figure out how to deal with it or you know help, have someone help her. But in this one, she was pretty independent and just trying to figure everything out for herself and. You know, it, it, you could see how much her character had developed from the very first movie to now here in the third movie. And very first movie as in the first of the sequels. The worlds, yeah. The worlds. Yeah, the, the worlds. <laughs> the first world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like, and I'll get into, like, my ranking later, but I felt like Claire's character was I want to say, I'm trying to think back. I want to say it was the worst part of Jurassic World. Like, mm. I, she was just really annoying. And yeah. I felt like... Because uh, she was that businesswoman yeah. stereotype, mm-hmm. I, uh-huh. from what I remember from the first one. Right. I, I did appreciate in the beginning how they, they called back to, like, you know, her past life, I guess. And, you know, how, like, they even, uh, I guess her, her friends from Fallen Kingdom, I forget the name, Zia and uh, Franklin, I think. They were calling her out, like, "Oh, you're just trying to right your your wrongs," but like, you know, there are better ways to do it. And I, I did actually kind of like that callback uh, from that, and so I'm um, kind of gl- glad they at least mentioned it uh, early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, we, they, there was a bunch of callbacks in this movie for for both the worlds and the parks. 
uh, uh, movies. Like Disney, like Disney, like Disneyland. Oh, exactly. Disneyland, <laughs> Disneyland Park and Disneyland World, Disney World. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we actually created uh, a new award recently, the On Your Left Award for Best Callback Reference. And there's there's a good number of them. So, Jake, which one was your favorite? So, I mean, yeah, like you said, there was a solid number of callbacks, but um, I'm going to go with the one that Alan Grant brought up, Mr. Sam Neill himself. Yeah. Uh, he he did a little callback to his speech about the Raptors in the first movie. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. caught it or anything like that, but... I did. You did? Okay, good. I have it in my notes, actually. Oh, nice, nice. So, like, for me, why this callback is like so important is because i think that when he had that speech in the first jurassic park movie it was super iconic like if anybody brings that up they're gonna remember that scene from the first movie and it kind of set the tone for the movie in my opinion in the first one um when he talked about that because it was like oh like dinosaurs are actually really scary they're not these like cool classic figures anymore they're actually real and um he talks about now how um, the raptors have gotten smarter and stuff. And I think one thing that he mentioned that I did put in my notes was that they cut their victims jugular instead of just slashing them with their claws now. And I think that's kind of evident of them evolving in this world where they're living with humans and dinosaurs. So they're not just like slashing and whatever they can, but they're actually going, they're getting smart and figuring out like what's the best way to kill, which is kind of scary if you really think about it. Yeah. Because they can because of how we believe velociraptors were, we mm-hmm. believe that they were smart enough to kind of evolve like that and start to learn and pick up on like human tendencies and figure mm-hmm. out the best ways of hunting. Which I, yeah, it is pretty scary, but I think that that was one of the better callbacks just because yeah. it called back to something so significant. Yeah. And I love how he uh, uh mentioned again that they love to attack from the sides and it mm. when, when when i saw that uh that scene it reminded me of Muldoon's iconic quote it's like oh clever girl yeah. <laughs> clever <laughs> but right girl. before he dies uh-huh. <laughs> exactly it's too good see well, that's one of my problems though is like they're they're inconsistent with the dinosaur intelligence mm. it's like they're they are getting smarter and they show that but that mm-hmm. sometimes like oh but then why does when a little girl raises her hand it just stops a dinosaur you know what i mean it's like they had no rapport compared to to owen and blue in previous movies they like owen they have a history yeah Yeah. as a as a baby raptor Mm -hmm. compared to i don't know it's just and then Sam Neill did it too and all that (laughs) stuff and so it's like why though like how is that working? Why do they keep doing that? Um, <laughs> since, so, you mentioned, <laughs> since you mentioned it real quick, uh, on my first screening, when I noticed Owen Grady doing it the first time, I was like, ooh, I should count. He did it eight times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> he did the double. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He did the double. <laughs> he did the double in the, was it that black market? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot. So good. I thought it was a bit cringy when, uh, when Macy did it. I was like, really? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, look at me. I'm like <laughs> the Doctor Grant. <laughs> just yeah. like, I got you. I got your back. It's like they have the force or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like these Dr. aren't the Grant. droids you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh shoot! 
Well, my favorite quote, I mean, I'm sorry, my favorite callback reference uh, and winner of the On Your Left Award. I mean, Jacob mentioned one of mine already. <laughs> my other one, though, is a real quick one. It was <laughs> a very quick one where Dr. Ian Malcolm had his deep V and yes. then he's like, oh. <laughs> And then he just like literally buttoned up that one. I was laughing so hard. And I was like, what? No one noticed it? Because yeah. the, the, the pilot lady was like looking at his shirt. And like, oh. yeah. He was like, oh. oh. That was easily my favorite. That was a great one. Oh See, that, also yeah, another that, iconic scene. I know. Yeah. Like we still don't know why. Well, his shirt his shirt was like torn in the first one, right? That's why he was so. <laughs> he, he did the whole. But why did he have to pose like that? You know? <laughs> Look uncomfortable. <laughs> Just sitting there in the back. Yeah, all oiled up. <laughs> With a T Rex chasing him. <laughs> He's still yeah. laying there the same way. Go faster. Go faster. Yeah. That was too uh, good. Shoot, uh, my favorite. Uh, callback reference because it goes back to one of my favorite scenes and most memorable scenes in the first movie was the Barbasol um, can. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and the the, so the wannabe Tim Cook uh, was, <laughs> was carrying it for some reason. I guess carrying... And um, those dinosaurs eventually killed him just like how they killed um, that one computer guy in the first movie. Newman? Newman. And it's... Newman. I, that's such an iconic scene, and I love the the. I don't. I always wanted that prop for some reason. The Barbasol can <laughs> with the little uh, dinosaur That's, DNA yeah. on the inside. I just love how they Pretty did cool. it in yeah. the first one, where it's so delicate and just putting all the little tubes and all that. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, this, and the shaving cream still works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Need one of those in real life <laughs> for, uh, for uh, smuggling stuff on airport in, in airplane. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, yeah, we like would never do that. Dinosaur, dinosaur. DNA, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob's DNA. It's my oh. DNA. Yeah, your DNA. <laughs> the Jacob. Call that a Jacob. Yeah, Jacobosaurus. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna do our favorite game here on the weekly reel: the guess the Rotten Tomato score. Jacob, you're gonna have some heavy lifting to do because <laughs> you're gonna be playing for Andrea this week. She hasn't seen the movie, but you have, so you're going to play for her. All right. Uh, the score as of right now is Ken has 23. Mm, I have 20, yeah. so I'm right behind you, Ken. Okay. Andrea's at 8, so you oh. can get the ball rolling for her. I will get but, First place this, is I'm three ready. points. First, first place, place is three points. points. Yeah. We're going to break double digits today. <clears throat> there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> so... Jacob, what is your guess for Jurassic World Dominion? Hmm. Well, I feel like... Uh, so I obviously had this guess figured out before this recording. But now that we've talked about it a little more, I'm feeling like my guess is a little optimistic. But I'm going to stick with it. I went with uh, 72%. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ken, how about you? I was definitely not optimistic. Uh, actually, you know what? My guess is actually lower than my actual score. I, I did kind of like certain aspects. It was just the whole nostalgia, really, in the mm -hmm. callbacks. Uh, but uh, my guess is 42 for this game. 42. 42. Uh, that's pretty close to mine. I went a little bit higher at 47%. Interesting. Ooh. Interesting. 
So oh my goodness, look that was it up. way too optimistic. <laughs> uh, I think we were all optimistic because it has a tomato meter of 30%. Oh. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> How oh many reviews? Oh my goodness. A lot of reviews. We got 339. Whoa. I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, honestly. But like a legit 30. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be a little better just because of the nostalgia aspect. But, I mean, we are talking strict critics. movie critics here. Yeah. So I can, I can see where they're coming from with that rating. Yeah, damn. 30% though? It is low. pretty. That's actually really low, considering my guess was seventy-two. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. We all from me for, with Eternals. That was way off. <laughs> I think you scored like you went pretty high on that one, right? Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. it was. I think it was right around Jacob's score. I thought it was mm. like seventy something. What was? What yeah. did it end up being? Like in the thirties, I think too. <laughs> was, yeah, thirties or forties, something like that. Yeah, it, it, I was way off. <laughs> But, Jacob, this is what I was talking with Ken last week. I'm like, I need to know what Jacob thought of this movie mm. because you're the resident dinosaur here. So, <laughs> <laughs> the resident dinosaur, I like it. Uh, like, I wanted to know, I, I was like, I feel like Jacob might like this movie. So, well, I, we're going to do the I Love You 3000 and you're going to rate it from 1 to right. 3000. So, First, before I give my rating, because mm-hmm. I feel like I had to explain myself after we just read that Rotten Tomato score and pretty much how <laughs> differing that my score, my personal score is to the Rotten Tomato score. But I think the biggest thing that made me bring it up compared to just like thinking about it from the story was, like Ken said, the nostalgia aspect. Like you had a lot of callbacks. Um, you had obviously the original cast there. And then adding to that, you had, you know, some pretty good action sequences and some okay character development. But uh, I went with a 2,520 out of 3,000, which comes out to 84%. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Ken, before uh, you give your score, I do want to, I forgot to mention that the updated score for Rotten Tomatoes. You, dude, you're running away with it right now. You have 26, I have 21, Andrea still has eight. I'm so sorry, Andrea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. She, like, she'll have another opportunity next week. Yeah, next week. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ken. Before. Oh, mine? Okay, so yeah. uh, I Love You 3000 Award. Uh, you know, I'm kind of curious how I would rate Fallen Kingdom. And this is a spoiler alert, that's probably my worst movie. Mm. I did like it more than that out of the new trilogy. I'm giving it a 1,611 for 53.7%. It's, uh, I don't think it's a fresh movie, but I did like it more than the critics. Oh, apparently a lot more than the critics, uh, because of just strictly, uh, uh, because of the, the nostalgia factor. And there were some pretty cool dino moments, uh, and, I don't know. I feel like, for the most part, the the characters on screen were pretty likable. It's just the plot was very blech. Yeah, I agree. The story was horrible. Yeah. Um, I I pretty much in the same ballpark as you. I'm doing sixteen fifty out of three thousand, so that's like fifty five percent, just a little bit higher. But um, it's a good popcorn movie. Yeah. Even though it's like, it should be shorter. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think would easily help the movie with its pacing. But yeah, the story in itself, it's like, why did they focus on the things that they did? Not the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they focused yeah. on the kid and on Locust. Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, like, for, oh, oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. So I was just going to say, for this movie, it's not, for me, I don't know if I could watch it again. Because what? I feel like everybody, or everything that I would want to look for going into a Jurassic whatever movie, I could find it, a better version of it in different movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, it's like it was a good like finale. Like maybe once in a while I'll watch it, but it it's not one that I can really say I can rewatch multiple times. Yeah. Plus, it's really long. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That too, and it drags. Yeah. I mean, I felt like arguably the worst moment of this movie since we're talking, I guess, more negatives was when. <laughs> Fake Tim Cook threw his tantrum and he was doing that weird body <laughs> oh, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was so weird. It's like, like I was just like, what? What was that? I didn't it know kinda, if that was supposed to be funny or was it supposed to be? I just I, felt confused. I, kind of like a, um, in Tenet when he was on the ground like squirming. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But at least you know we we later find out that he was going in, yeah like backwards yeah. in time, but, but he was going forwards in time. Yeah, Tim Cook was doing this standing up <laughs> in real time. In real, in real time. time. <laughs> that was so strange. Uh, next week, though, Ken, I'm looking forward to this movie. What's can you preview what we're going to be watching for next week? Yes, uh, next week we get reintroduced to Space Ranger Buzz Lightyear as he encounters an army of robots commanded by his nemesis, Zerg, in the latest from Disney and Pixar, Lightyear. And so um, I think we're, well, we're recording this on a Saturday, June 18th, and it's actually out in theaters already. Uh, so definitely go watch it um, whenever you can. Actually, watch it right now. Let's be honest. I think this should be at least a good popcorn flick. Uh, and uh, join in the conversation on Monday, June 27th. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie, but at the same time, I've always been a huge Buzz Lightyear fan. Um, had both Woody and Buzz in my toy collection uh, as a kid. So I'm looking forward to the movie that supposedly inspired the toy. <laughs> Yeah, so. I see. See, I didn't even know that. <laughs> this movie's got a lot to live up to, then. Yeah. yeah, it's like if it, it's like because it's supposedly it's it's the movie that Andy watched to buy the toy. So oh. interesting, interesting. Okay. So I wonder if there's gonna be good. some like early two thousands references. What you, no, it would be nineties or nineties. You're right, nineties references. Yeah, because what Toy Story was ninety four. Don't quote me on that. I guess we'll see. We'll see how this how this goes with uh, Mr. Chris Evans voicing Buzz Lightyear too. I think it it sounds pretty good so far though. Uh, But Jacob, if they want to catch you, uh, if they want to see you or anything on the social medias, where can they uh, catch you during the week? Well, you can find me pretty much on any social media platform at the same username, and that is Fashoj. 
And, you know, if you're into watching some streaming, I do stream on Twitch um, at Fashow underscore Jax. And I think Ken will uh, put those spellings down there in the description or the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way but, to steal uh, my thunder. I was going to say that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob does ASMR. <laughs> he does some yeah, like, got painting. Some um, body some painting. Hot tub. Hot. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, J- um, Jacob does gameplay. Yeah. yeah. Gameplay, Di- yes. Just dinosaur, gameplay. Dinosaur calisthenics. <laughs> Dinos- yeah, and, uh, throw in some um, dinosaur VR in there also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, catch me uh, on those during the week, anytime. Yeah, we'll definitely link it. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I'm just on Twitter and Instagram mainly. Uh, I mean, I kind of miss NBA Twitter because I feel like that's my favorite Twitter. But uh, now that we're back into like a, uh, pretty much doing a lot of TV and movies and everything, uh, catch me at Freakin' A. Yeah, right. Uh, the usual for me, uh, JP underscore flicks. I am there. Notifications are on. So, like, Ellie, you can slide into my DMs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, for, all right, guys, we're going to close out the episode on Jurassic World Dominion. on, And we're going to rank the movies real quick. So okay. there's six Jurassic movies. Uh, Jacob, go ahead and take it away. You can start from the top or the bottom, whatever, however you want to do it. All right. So I'm going to start at the top. I'm going to start at one and then end at six just because I know that my first three are like solidified as my top three. But the bottom three, it's still a little fresh, but I think that's what I'm going to go with. So with number one, obviously, I think we can all uh, guess which one this is. Number one is the original mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. What? Hot take. What? <laughs> uh, number two, this is might surprise some people. Actually, maybe not. But number two for me, Jurassic Park 3. I'm not surprised. I am yeah. not surprised. <laughs> not having that conversation with you uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was just, it's for me, it got me to really fall in love with the Jurassic Park franchise. So okay. I think I have to put that one at number two. And then at number three... Just because out of the rest of the four, I like this one the most, I put Jurassic World there. So that's going to shout out to Chris Pratt for that one, doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Pretty good job, at least. Um, number four, I put The Lost World Jurassic Park, which is, in other words, Jurassic Park 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was just a little uh, interesting movie for me, so I, that's why it's all the way down there. Uh, number five, I'm going with Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, rank that just down there just because it wasn't great, but it had some nostalgia. So I'll, I'll throw that in there. And then number six, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Or Fallen Movie. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's going to be my sixth one. Just because, um, I don't know. Personally, I just didn't enjoy it as much as the others. Um, honestly, I don't really remember it that well. I think that's. Good. I, think I think there's a reason a fair, for that. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those that's my rankings as of now for the uh, Jurassic Park series franchise. Mm. Okay. Mm. Ken, well, you did a recent rewatch, so they should be pretty fresh, really fresh. for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
yeah uh jurassic park 3 was definitely fresh just because i literally just finished it um <laughs> all right uh, I'll, I'll i'll go in the same order as uh as jacob i'll go uh best to worst so jurassic park classic mm. um no surprises there number two though jurassic world mm. uh, for me i thought it did a pretty good job uh bringing back the nostalgia and i don't know if it's because uh colin trevorrow used that he was unapologetic with using the uh the john williams score a lot mm. more so um i felt like it added more to the nostalgia and i thought chris pratt did a really good job plus we got kingpin mm. um and then um number three the lost world jurassic park just strictly just strictly for the trailer scene i forgot how mm. good that, that scene is was. that is a great scene oh mm. my goodness my hands were sweaty when i was doing my rewatch because i forgot that happened this may surprise you though, Jurassic World Dominions at four because, um, I don't know. I think again the nostalgia and having everyone back, um, and I don't know if it's recency bias. Uh, and like Jacob, these last three are kind of jumbled all together. Um, so um, ask me tomorrow. I might change this up. <laughs> uh, so, but number five and. Don't hate me, Jacob. Jurassic Park 3, I kind of focused more on the negatives. I, I thought mm. this was Sam Neill's probably, arguably his best performance, and he was uh, really they, good in it. He but was. I absolutely hated Taya Leone's character. She oh, was yeah. the most annoying character. I can understand just, that. It, it was just so out there, and I don't know. It was just horrible, but I did love the fact that it was... Uh, uh, a snappy one and a half hours. That was really good. So I yeah. might actually move that up. But but right now it's just recency bias with how much I hate that character, ta- mm. Tail. <laughs> Ugh, yuck. And yeah, then I, I leaves, can agree uh, with you on that one. She was. Yeah. Not... And then Fallen Kingdom is last, uh, just because it was just boring AF. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the volcano explosion. <laughs> actually, that's literally the only thing that I did like. It was just the destruction of Isla Nublar. And after that, it, it just just fell off the rails. Yeah. All right. I think mine is a bit of a amalgamation of both yours. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna start from the top. Jurassic Park. Then at number two, Jurassic World. And then I actually got Jurassic World Dominion. That it's a big jump. Really? <laughs> like low. Oh yeah, Jurassic World Dominion. Whoa. You must have not really liked all the other ones. Oh, no, then. no, no, no. I mean, okay, so here's to be fair to the other movies. Uh Jurassic World 2, The Lost World. Yeah. I have not really watched that movie that much. Ooh. Jurassic Park 3, I've watched more than Jurassic Park 2. And maybe I I mixed up Jurassic Park a Lost World with Godzilla nineteen ninety eight a lot. Oh shoot. <laughs> because it's like the similar it, it premise. came out a, a year apart. <laughs> yeah. See that's what I'm saying. I'm like I, I think I get them mixed up because oh, you know the T Rex going to New York or whatever. That's a great movie. <laughs> Is it I though? love that movie. I mean, that's his cousin, <laughs> Jacob Jacobosaurus and, and Gajira, Gajira. <laughs> no, just I just one thing on that movie. That was an interesting uh, take on Godzilla that they had in that movie. Yes, yes, it was. But anyways, <laughs> continue. Yeah. <laughs> so I got after Dominion. I actually got Jurassic Park two, and then mm. Jurassic Park three, and then mm. of course Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Oh, okay, dude. I think you'll be able to switch that when you actually watch Lost World. Yeah, I, I, I would, I could definitely see that. Lost World, it's, it's good. It's just different. I think it was just, 
it's very different from the other two. Maybe it's just because Sam Neill's not there. Yeah. And, mm. But I mean, they did also focus on uh, our Malcolm. favorite character ever. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, not Ian Malcolm. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> 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 no, nah, but that trailer scene, I feel, I mean, uh, the, some of the movie kind of drags. Uh, admittedly, mm-hmm. it was a little bit long. I was kind of dozing in and off, uh, on and off, like, because uh, that was like one that I actually started really late. And then, but then when I woke up, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Like, the end's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. But that trailer scene, whoa. Yeah. I agree. Uh, all right, guys. It's, uh, we gave our rankings. I want to remind the, the audience to send your your rankings to at weekly real uh on the social medias but guys jacob thank mm. you once again for hopping on how many episodes has jacob been on he i remember I he was on you were our first guest fifth? ever yeah it was uh tenant and Tenet. Um, wow and no no that was the second one the first oh, one was nightcrawler. actually nightcrawler, nightcrawler Tenet. that's yeah. right and then was it the marvel he, he, one also which one? What was that? Was it, did he do a Marvel episode? Mm, shoot. He did an episode of the Spider-Man. newsreel, but he did Spider-Man No Way Home. He was a part of that double mm-hmm. double feature, the first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I did do the one episode of the newsreel, so if we count that, this would be the fifth. The fifth episode, yeah. Fifth appearance. Yeah, he was Five the time. very first guest on the newsreel, actually. <laughs> yeah, first guest on the newsreel and first guest on the weekly reel. Oh, you know so yeah. we, we By the always way, love Tenet, watching Jake. watching Tenet. That was such a iconic moment in time. First oh, movie yeah. after the pandemic, or not after? It, it was, was during. During. <laughs> yeah. Had to drive to Napa to watch it because oh, that it was, was so the worth cl- it. that was the closest theater that actually had. Tenet. Yeah, exactly. That was crazy. Yeah, I, I just remember the the first experience. You know, when they smashed the violin at the very beginning. Uh huh. Scared, scared me. Just I don't I didn't know if I was like not used to the the sound in the movie theater again or but or the audio mixing lot. from uh, <laughs> from <laughs> from Christopher Nolan yeah it's like man movies are different <laughs> it's, like, it's been a while since Sonic I forgot two. what movie theaters are like yeah no that was but nice. Jake it's always good having you here on the show um, yes. you're almost like a like honorary member in a, in a sense because it's like you're here so often so (laughs) well i appreciate it i love uh coming on here and you guys both know how much i love to talk about movies and the fact that we can actually you know do it and share it it's great i love the podcast keep recording i listen every week on my way to work so keep up the good work yeah and Uh, you know this is this yeah this won't be uh jacob's the jacobosaurus's last uh, appearance and so no definitely not i'll be back (laughs) (laughs) and and he and he won't be a dinosaur next time hopefully we're not talking about another jurassic park movie hopefully they they put this to to bed for at least a little bit yeah they they need to take a quick rest and uh not quick they need to take a rest and really rethink (laughs) they'll be extinct i think they're extinct yeah yeah. they're extinct no as long as they make money it's not extinct. <laughs> That's true. They did that keep it open at the end. Yeah, oh, we can shit, live with dinosaurs. Right. That's what they all say. That's what they all say. And then, <laughs> I don't know. They should have took a page from the Planet of the Apes movies. <laughs> Just yeah. next time, I guess, have James Franco. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, you know, they need to get a Dave Franco. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be raising a dinosaur. Yeah, he'll be the dinosaur. 
Yeah, you'll be the dinosaur. You'll be the dinosaur. <laughs> Dave Franco yeah, will be, be the raising dinosaur. you. He's raising me. <laughs> but this time in Daily City. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot. Uh, all right, guys. <laughs> time to close up the episode. Uh, Jake, always a pleasure having you. Uh, yes, Ken, sir. good job being here again. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, I'm always here. <laughs> uh, guys, catch our next episode on Lightyear. I am super excited. Buzz Lightyear is one of my favorite characters as a kid. And I'm sure he's yours as well. We'll see you guys next time to Infinity and Beyond on The Real.